Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Ego Chow podcast, a Call of Duty esports podcast. My name is Preston Byers, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we will be discussing another reported roster change for the New York subliners. Uh, we will also be talking about last week's CDL qualifying matches, which were the first set for the second major of the 2022 Call of Duty League season. And we also have another set of qualifying matches uh, this week, later, later on this week, that we're going to give our predictions for. Uh, but before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing well. Business as usual. Got uh, some stuff to talk about. I'm ready to hop in. Yeah, let's let's start at the very top. Uh, this is actually very new news for us uh, as we're recording this podcast um, on DottieSports.com. Uh, Crone reported that the New York Subliners are expected to sign Paul X, uh, who just recently finished a uh, a week long stint. Um, as a temporary substitute for the London Royal Ravens. Uh, Paul X was also a part of the Royal Ravens, uh, you know, actual roster last season in the 2021 um, CDL season. So this would be another move for the New York subliners who have, uh, they already benched Neptune after, I believe, the first week of CDL matches this season. Uh, they brought in Royalty, uh, who eventually was um, benched for Neptune again before the first major of the season. Uh, the subliners are currently in last place in the CDL, uh, if you can believe that. They are um, not only 0-2 uh, so far in this set of qualifying matches, but they are 1-6 overall. Uh, they have, I believe, uh, the worst map count as well, or they're, excuse me, 1-6 maps uh, for so far um, during like this stage of qualifying matches. Uh, but they're also doing very poorly for the entire season, considering they were knocked out of the first major uh, with a 3-0 sweep. Um, they were also one of the last uh, four teams that started uh, the major, so um, they were one of the bottom four teams. Uh, in the first majors qualifying matches. So a lot of things have went wrong for a roster that we expected quite a bit from. Um, what do you what do you think of this move, uh, this reported move that Paul X will be joining the roster? Um, we don't really know who he will be replacing in the roster. Uh, there was also um, a part of this report that another player might be coming into New York and um, coming into the starting lineup. So a lot of big changes. What do you make of Paul X coming into New York, possibly? Yeah, we'll probably touch on Paul X in depth a little more as we go through the matches from the past week and a recap of those, because obviously those are the matches he just played in. Um, so it'd make more sense to talk about his like individual performance during those matches. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, TLDR on that, he just, he played really well for London um, this past week. So I'm not surprised at all that New York is kind of like jumping at the opportunity to try and sign him. Um it is interesting, though, and we, we do have to keep in mind that, you know, like you said, we don't know who is being replaced by Paul X or if there's potentially another player coming in as Crone reports, um, who else would be um, moved to the bench as mm -hmm. the corresponding move there. So 
Um, there's a lot of stuff up in the air right now with this New York situation, and we're just going to have to wait and see. The good news, though, is that they play on Saturday this weekend, so if they are making a roster move before their next official match, we will, uh, you know, you would assume there's an announcement before Saturday made, or you'll just, you know, see the new squad in action on Saturday. Um, there's also the potential uh, if there's, you know, a, they might be trying out multiple force, in which case we could see, like, scrim stuff leak. I don't know. A lot of teams haven't been streaming streaming scrims uh, since the season started, so that might not happen, but that's always been a possibility in the past. Um, and I forgot I was going to say another possible situation there. We could see that. There's something else I was going to say, but I forget. But, um, you know, overall, I think good move by New York. They have to do something because what's going on right now isn't working. And Paul has shown, you know, in a very small sample size just this past week that he can quickly be inserted into a uh, pre, pre prior existing lineup and uh, just immediately have an impact for that squad. So, you know, kind of if New York is making this move, that's got to be what they're hoping for is that he'll um, immediately have an impact upon joining the team and try and, you know, turn things around for the squad after a uh, a pretty pretty poor start to the 2022 season. To put a little more context behind that about how bad of a start it's been for them. So technically they're not in last place because uh, the New York Subliners and the Paris Legion both have a single win this CDL season, uh, but Paris has one more loss. Uh, but Paris also has a better map win percentage. Uh, Paris is 11 and 26 with a 30% map win percentage. New York has won seven of their 30 maps this season, which is a 23% map win, win percentage. And when you break it down, uh, and this is according to breakingpoint.gg, their hard point is horrendous. Like they are, uh, I mean, I don't have it right in front of me about the entire league stats, but they have to be one of, if not the worst hard point team in the league. They're they th- one a hard point in official matches. I think we touched on it last week and I think we were looking at stats that included uh kickoff classic because yeah. obviously they did win a match at kickoff classic, um, but they're 0 and 13 in hard points since the regular season started. Yeah, that's, like even if you counted the kickoff classic, they've only won three hard points. Like that's, uh, I mean, that makes sense considering they've only won a single series in the regular season. They had a three-two victory against Boston uh, in the first major qualifiers, but other than that, there hasn't been much to to be positive about uh, in regards to New York. This team is surprisingly bad and. I think we were, uh, you know, if we go back to uh, before the regular season started, and I'm this might have actually been before the kickoff classic, if uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but uh, we talked about the the coaches' power rankings and what the coaches thought of each team heading into the season, and they were kind of like a middle of the pack team, maybe a little bit lower. Uh, maybe like around that seven eight range, which is n- not great, obviously. But it would if they had been a seven or eighth place team, they would be starting every major in the winners bracket, and they would theoretically just have as uh, just good of a chance as say like Atlanta or Optic because they wouldn't have to fight through the losers bracket the entire time. But they're so bad, um, 
And I, I feel like I feel bad for them because you even see it in their tweets, like Clayster before the major said that he hadn't practiced this much in a while, like in years or something. Like he put in so much work before the major and he said like, I hope it goes well or whatever. And then after they got knocked out 3-0, he just said, Nope, still suck. Never mind. Like that's the, that's how it goes for them. They're, they're just really bad right now. And uh, I think roster change is pretty much the only uh, course of action for them at this point because they tried to get rid of Neptune and bring in royalty, which, I mean, I think a lot of people wondered why they did that in the first place. Then they reverted back to Neptune. It doesn't seem like it's working with Neptune in the roster either. So I don't really know what the solution is. I don't think they know what the solution is really. Uh, they're probably just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that one thing sticks if it's paul x or if it's another challengers player if it's a trade with a cd another cdl team they're just hoping that something or someone will be able to get them out of this hole uh yeah and yeah i i think um like kind of like you just said there um not exactly a start anyone was expecting, but can't do anything about that now. Got to put everything that's happened up to this point in the rearview mirror, especially if you're making a two-man change. Um, just got to try and pick up the pieces and move on and rebound as fast as possible because, I mean, we're, we're in going into the second week of online qualifiers for the second major, and that might not seem like much, but there's only four majors and then champs, so we're technically just a couple weeks away from the halfway point of the season already. And we also don't know uh, if champs will be a 12-team event or if they will only invite like the top eight or top six. I don't think that information has been announced. I think they did in the... Let me look. Um, I think they just said... It might have been in the first community update when they announced the like confirmation that... Um, 12 teams will be at the majors, but they said like eight teams will still be at champs or it was part of Crone's report on the 12 teams for the majors. Okay. I feel uh, like, okay. No, it I does say it. that eight, eight teams will enter playoffs. Uh, the, in the top suit, two seeds will no longer get buys and the bottom two seeds will no longer start in the losers bracket. So it's a, just an eight or, team bracket essentially. Is that on the CDL site? Yeah. That's in the, uh, the 2022 uh, season format. Yep. So, I mean, that makes it even worse that they they know that essentially if they continue to be one of these um, like bottom-level teams that they won't make it to to champs. They'll be like Seattle or, um, or like London last year or whatever. Like they just know going into the last few weeks that it's pretty much over for them and there's nothing they can really do about it. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of time left, so there is a, an, I don't know how likely of a chance, but there is a chance that they can turn things around and uh, become, you know, obviously qualify for champs and be a good team by the end of the season. But, uh, yeah, let's get to, uh, so that we got that out of the way. Let's uh, get to these matches uh, from the past week. We're actually starting off with a New York match. They kicked off the uh, the last week of the qualifying matches against the London Royal Ravens. Um, 
So we had not talked about it, but uh, Paul X, he's, he was a stand-in for London um, for this match and their other match this week. Because Gizmo, uh, he went back home, went back home to England, or I think he lives in England, and uh, he had some personal issues that he was dealing with. So Paul X, who was on the Royal Ravens roster last season, he stepped in, uh, and they did pretty well, London did. Um, they win 3-1. This was, I mean, just kind of emblematic of New York season, in all honesty. They just really can't win hard points and we've talked about it before but hard points makes up two fifths of an entire series it's very difficult to win matches without winning uh you know either the most important or second most important game mode uh do you have any thoughts on this uh this series in particular yeah um like you said this was paul x coming in for gizmo also had the return of neptune here uh replacing royalty for this immediate, or, or for this week at least, that following the uh, major. So um, I guess one thing we can say real quick is that if the uh, report is true that uh, Paul X is going to New York, that would mean in all likelihood Gizmo has to be back for this week. And, and I believe that's what Crone reported originally is that he would likely be back. Um, and obviously Paul X was signed to, I think it's either, I think it's a 14 day contract. Yeah. I think it's it's about a 10 day. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's what he signed with London. So if they're going to move him to New York, they have to, you know, be confident that Gizmo will be back for these matches. And we haven't heard anything, at least I haven't seen anything yet to officially confirm it, but, um, you would assume if Paul X is moved that Gizmo will be back. But, um, that was the most shocking thing for me was that, you know, just how, like, seamlessly uh, Paul was able to be inserted into this lineup and, you know, it didn't seem like anything major had changed for London. Like, you know, Gizmo has been one of the, the top players on London. He kind of struggled at the major and, um, you know, he was tweeting and, you know, Crohn's talked about, like, the personal issues and stuff going on with him. Um, so, like, uh, you, you can, you know, take his recent performance struggles with a grain of salt if you take that into account but you know in the qualifiers and stuff um to kick off this year after the kickoff classic uh, he was performing really well and was being like widely considered in the community as like the top rookie at that time um and you could make the argument he still is right now but you know hasn't played and had the recent struggles so yada yada um not not something we gotta worry about right now but regardless you know that's it, based on how he was playing before his recent personal issues that you would feel like he'd be a hard player to replace just, you know, statistically. And Paul X didn't really have a problem with that. Um, he dropped a 0.97 in this series in particular, but, um, you know, Afro had a 1.43 and zero had a 1.26. So he did the job and did what he had to do to help London uh, get this win here. Yeah, I don't think that there's a lack of talent for New York because we already know that Hydra is incredible, and I do think that Neptune has a lot of potential. Um, I don't really know what the the options are for them or what will make them a winning team, but Paul X, uh, like you said, he, he stepped in in a tough spot. Uh, you know, this is not it, London is an incredibly good team. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but to step in and they didn't really miss a beat at all says a lot about Paul, in my opinion. Um, and 
uh, kind of a different point, but I think that this this is the perfect like the CDL. This is uh, an awesome opportunity sh to showcase like the fourteen day contracts and like the usefulness of them because Paul he is a former CDL player like we mentioned, but he he's been in challengers uh, so far this season and he hadn't been uh, uh, like a CDL substitute or anything, and he was able to get this uh, fourteen day contract and perform uh, you know admirably perform well for what they were expecting and now he's getting reportedly signed to a uh, like a full-time contract for a cdl team so the cdl should take a lot of pride in the 14-day contracts seemingly working um you know whether other players take advantage of that or other teams uh, for that matter take advantage of that and uh you know try out challengers players see if something works and then kind of move on if it doesn't uh, but it's a, a great opportunity to showcase like what these 14-day contracts were actually meant for uh, to start with. Uh, let's get to the, this next match. So London, they win 3-1. And then we have Seattle and Boston. We, we talked about uh, this matchup last week uh, briefly, but um, Seattle has obviously been on a skid. Uh, they I think they were entering this, this match with like a like a four match losing streak, maybe a three match losing streak, but, um, they weren't, uh, at least I think it was actually four because I think they lost their last two matches of the qualifying matches. Uh, then they were, um, bounced from the major without a win, including that upset loss to Paris. Uh, but they come in here and they lose again, extending their losing streak to five matches. Uh, Boston wins three, one. Um, and, Honestly, it could have been a 3-0 because Seattle really clutched up in the control to extend that series to a second hard point. Um, and then Capsidal, just a big cap. He he's just just <laughs> he's flying around the map. Um he he's he has 54 kills on Bokage hard point. Uh, what do you think of Boston? I think that they seem to be improving a lot uh, over the past like week or two. And Seattle, uh, at this point, they were on a five-match losing streak. So what do you think of this? Yeah, I think... Um, how do I want to word it? I feel like... Um, my train of thought going into this match was I was expecting this to be like a, a good opportunity for Seattle to bounce back. Mm -hmm. Um I think, you know, with the logic I was going with was it was they weren't facing like Optic or Atlanta right away. Um, we'll obviously talk about that later situation later, but um, they, they weren't facing, you know, like Boston being like a top three team, although they performed well at the major, uh, probably wouldn't consider them a top three or four team at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was an opportunity for Seattle to bounce back and I just, they didn't capitalize on it. Um, you know, the, the first hard point was 250-159 for Boston. The search was 6-1 for Boston. Uh, the control was, like, super, like, you know, Seattle won it, and Boston has had their struggles in control all year, so that's not, like, too big of a surprise. But then, you know, we had a classic 250-245 bokage there where Big Cat breaks the uh, kill record. So, um, yeah, it just I, I felt like this was a missed opportunity for Seattle to try to bounce back, but obviously it was a good job for our uh, Boston to continue building on the momentum they had from a, a strong major performance. And uh, that was, you know, a big takeaway for me. It was obviously Capsidal setting the new mark of 54 kills. 
Uh, I believe that's the kill record for, yeah, it's got to be the kill record for any mode. But obviously, um, most of the kill records have been on Bokage just because of how, uh, you know, the nature of the cage. <laughs> so uh, so that's uh, something I've been trying to keep track of and will continue to do. So uh, shout out Big Cap there for uh, setting the mark. Big Cap's uh, Rookie of the Year stock is definitely rising um, in the CDL. Uh, and now that there actually is a Rookie of the Year award, he could potentially be it uh, my pick was pred he did not have a great series he dropped eight kills in that gavutu hard point to start the start the series which has to be one of if not the lowest uh, number of kills this season in a hard point he was eight and 20 uh, and they kind of got wiped off the map so uh, not a great uh, showcase for my pick but um, I mean your pick sib did did pretty well yeah, he's had he's been really inconsistent though yeah. recently. He's he started out super hot and uh had some struggles there during uh Seattle Skid. Um I will say though for Pred in particular, you know, looking at his individual performance on Gavutu is uh, you know, you can kinda like I don't wanna say completely throw it out the window, but you gotta be a little skeptical just because uh he would be the only sub on yeah. Seattle. Uh, super AR heavy, uh, super AR favored map. Um, so he, he was probably, you know, it's not like Seattle was getting a lot of rotations or anything. They lost by almost a hundred. So uh, he was probably just like getting picked off, trying to get to the points and stuff like that. So it was just tough map, but I wouldn't look too deep into that in particular for him. Yeah, he probably threw his headset after that map, to be honest. Just getting gunned every time he started sprinting. <laughs> Just get me off this damn map. <laughs> uh, the next uh, next match of the week was uh, Los Angeles Gorillas versus the Florida Mutineers. Um, I mean, Florida. They this is we'll talk about them again, but uh, they they come out they sweep LAG. This is a pretty close series, all things considered. Despite it being a 3-0, we had a 10-point difference on Bokich Hardpoint. Uh, guys just uh, trading kills left and right. Uh, S&D on Tuscan 6-5 in favor of Florida, and then a 3-1 uh, on Tuscan Control for Florida as well. Um, overall, like this series was really slay heavy and like definitely in favor of Florida, which you expect because this is also the team that lost a hard point when Big Wake was dropping like a a 34 and 16 on on teams. So uh, you would expect this to happen, but uh, what do you think of Florida's 3-0 over LAG? Yeah, this, I mean, this was surprising to me. Um, not only did I not pick Florida to win this match, but I definitely, if if I were to pick them, I probably wouldn't have expected a 3-0. Um, but like you said, it was a close um, series, at least in the first two maps. Um, and LAG did put up a little bit of a comeback. I'm pretty sure it was like a 5-1 comeback, and they forced around 11, and then Florida clutched up in the end. Um, D. Patty had like a nice play on, uh, was it in this one? This, it was Tuscan Search, I think. Yeah, because he sniped Slasher. Um, he had like a, it was either a 1v, well, I think it was a 1v2, but I don't know if somebody else was alive when he got the first kill or not. But he got like a first kill. Um, and then went down into the well by um, P5 on Tuscan, and then he sniped Slasher uh, coming to challenge. So it was a nice play there. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of surprised um, by the end result, I guess you could say, and how dominant. I, eh. You know, like I just said, you know, the individual map scores were kind of close, but, you know, a 3-0 is a 3-0. So um, we can talk about Florida a little more in depth once we get to their other match, but... 
um, you know, as a little teaser, I guess I'll say, is that this, uh, thinking about it now, it's not super surprising that we see um, Florida be an up-and-down team, especially if we compare it to uh, some of Florida's rosters in the past. Yeah, that's kind of what they've been known for and something that we talked about ad nauseum about them. But first place, first place Florida, uh, I'll just tease that for a little bit later. Um, the That was it for uh, Friday's matches, which I just want to point out, you were 0-3 in your predictions, and I did oh, kind of yeah. troll uh, in the Slack uh, messages uh, because I was 3-0 and you were 0-3, and it really narrowed the gap of our prediction uh -huh. records. Um, but Saturday we had four matches, uh, the first of which was Paris versus LAG. Uh, we do not think that Paris is winning champs, uh, on this podcast and, uh, they proved why we are right. LAG, they come out and they win 3-0, which was obviously much needed after getting swept the previous day. Um, I mean, this is just kind of what we expect. Paris was very, um, you know. Like they had a really good series against Seattle and a good fight against Boston at the major, but uh, this was honestly uh, also a new roster because Jimbo was making his debut for Paris, um, and I don't. I think it was the the next day, like the Minnesota one was um, the one where he got roasted, right? So. It, We'll get to it, but yeah, Jimbo did not have a good weekend. I hope he didn't look at any of his mentions. Um, but yeah, LAG they win three zero. Any thoughts on this? Uh, you know, you can look at this two ways. I think you know, heading into the week, I was both of us obviously predicted LAG, so we were expecting this result. Um, but to be the match immediately following LAG's three zero over or. It's the match that followed them getting 3-0'd by Florida. Yeah. And literally, like, you know, the exact consecutive match the follow, not only the following day, but it's just, like, the last match of Friday into that first match on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So as small of a gap as you could have between those two matches, um, for a team like LAG with some guys who are super competitive and, you know, just very results-driven and trying to, you know, win at all costs, however you want to word it, um... They, that could, this could have been something like that loss on Friday could have tilted them and, you know, had a negative impact on their series here against Paris, but they didn't let that happen. Um, so that, that I thought that was good to see. They came out and take, took care of business. Um, obviously, like I said, not a lot of time between the matches, so I don't know how much VOD review or anything they did like that, but leading up to this week of matches, uh, I'm sure they're going to take a look back at that Florida series in particular and trying to uh, fix some stuff. Uh, whatever went wrong, and uh, maybe we'll see LAG put up another strong performance, uh, build momentum off this Paris win. But uh, yeah, like you said, this isn't the series in particular that Jimbo was getting roasted on Twitter for, um, but he did have a .75 in this series. He went 48 and 64, um, but all four players on Paris had negative KDs. All four players on LAG had positive KDs. And the big thing that uh, I noticed in particular was that this was like a, a good bounce back series for Slasher. Uh, he went 61 and 42 for a 1.45 KD. And uh, he had he had some struggles in LAG's last match at the major. And then in that series against Florida, he had a 0.8 KD. So um, really strong bounce back for him. Uh, kind of silenced any doubters, at least in the short term. Yep. Uh, before we move on, I just want to note that Trimmer said that Paris is winning champs, trust. So uh, 
I mean, that's okay. I mean, if the ego child had ego child correspondent is saying that, I think we should not. I don't know. Did you, did you, I put it in chat, but did you see um, the CDL had like a commercial during the major where they were asking the pros questions or whatnot? And they asked them like who was winning champs no. and like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of them were just saying their own team, and then it goes to Krim, and Krim is like, well, I'm not answering this. This is just bad juju. And then it goes to Shotzi, and Shotzi's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to answer this either, because if I say us, it, it'll be bad juju, but if I pick somebody else, it could, you know, like, fuel them. So I'm going to say Paris is winning champs. So Shotzi's in the Paris is winning champs category, uh, in, in that camp. So maybe uh, Trem is finally hopping on the bandwagon because his boy is too. I think the biggest thing that we learned from that is that Shotzi is actually an Ego Chow podcast listener. So uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Shotzi, because we really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I hope he's... What if it did happen now, though? Like Shotzi, he was just like, oh, I'll throw out a team, Paris or whatever. And it's like, all right, Paris is now winning champs. Like, congrats. You played yourself. Um the, the next match of the week was uh, London versus uh, the Los Angeles Thieves. Um, again, Paul X standing in for Gizmo for London. Um, and uh, I don't know if they were just, they were feeling uh, froggy, but they were like, let's let's take the Gavutu Challenge. First map, LAT, like uh, Kenny was memeing. So we got to teach him a lesson. And they <laughs> London wins Gavutu Hardpoint. Uh, game one by 62 points. Nasty drops a 1.6, 32 and 20 on the map. Um, and then London also goes on to win Berlin Surge 6-4 and Gavutu Control 3-2 to sweep LAT, really solidifying that they are definitely not the fourth place team in the league. Like they're at least top three now. And as we would see, they're they might be the second best team in the entire league. So um, people are saying, people are saying. But uh, yeah, London, they win this 3-0. They improve their record. Um, and really just a kind of shocking result in the fact that it was a 3-0 and that it wasn't an extended series. Uh, what did you think? I mean, this was just a super shocking result to me in general. Like if, you, if Gizmo was playing in the series and you told me London won, I wouldn't have expected it to be a 3-0, mm -hmm. but I, I probably wouldn't have been super surprised if you said London somehow pulled off a win. Uh, but for London to get a 3-0 over the Thieves without Gizmo, that, again, is just a testament to Paul. And obviously, um, you know, it probably is one of the main reasons why he's reportedly getting picked up for a full-time spot on New York. Yep. Um, so he did, he had a 1.19 KD in the, uh, series went 62 and 52. Uh, so strong performance out of him possibly got him signed. Um, I think I saw on Twitter after the match, I can't remember, it might've been J cap or octane. I think it was J cap, like, uh, tweeting, yeah, it was. uh, about like a bad week of practice leading up to it or whatever. So, um, yeah, he tweeted, shit week of practice results in a shit match. Super frustrating loss to start our stage two GGs to London. Um, so, you know, I guess that makes a little more sense, all things considered. But still, this was a surprising result to me. Um, especially, you know, these were coming off that loss at the major to Atlanta. Not, you know, not getting the finish that um, they likely wanted. So, um, in their first match back online, uh, you know, start 0-1 surprisingly 
Yeah, Kenny also tweeted something similar and said, shitty practice leads to shitty performances, taking today as a reset and moving forward. So, I mean, that's it happens, um, but I wasn't expecting it, I'll say that, that they were having this bad practice. It would have been nice for my predictions if they would have let us know beforehand, though. So I uh, still wouldn't have picked London here, especially with, you know, Paul X filling in for Gizmo. Yeah. Um but congrats, London. Uh, they win 3-0. The next match of the day was Minnesota versus Toronto. We both picked Toronto, and they ended up winning 3-1. Um, they they did, in fact, win a hard point, which has been uh, a point of contention for them. They, I mean, they were really just trying to – they were challenging themselves, it seemed, to try to win a series without winning hard points, and they did a pretty good job at it. Um, they were actually, uh, you know, one of the top teams at the most recent major, but they went out hard point here. Uh, they win the series. Uh, what do you think of uh, the ultra beating the rocker? Yeah, like you said, we we both predicted Toronto to win this one, and I think I kind of touched on it. Uh, similar to my mindset with uh, Seattle versus Boston last week in our last show. Um, my mindset for this match in particular was that um, I wanted to see what kind of work Toronto was going to put in to try and improve at hard point. And I felt like this was a good matchup for them to try and do that in just because Minnesota hasn't been a, a super strong hard point team themselves. So it's not like they were going up against like the Thieves or even, you know, Optic or FaZe, like one of these teams that you consider super strong at hard point. Um, they were going up against a, a beatable opponent specifically in that mode. So it was a good opportunity for them to try and, you know, fix some stuff in hard point. And obviously, you know, they get two wins in the mode. So um, you can, all things considered, you can look at it either as Toronto fixing some stuff or just Minnesota continuing to struggle in the mode. Uh, I guess we'll see based on some more results as we go through the next couple of weeks here. But um, yeah, it is also worth mentioning attach. Uh, did a role swap here. Um, he's now running the flex and, and Priest is on the sub, but like um, for a map, like right away, Gavu to hard point to start the series, that a role swap, like that doesn't really matter because you're running three ARs anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I'll just, I, I feel like Attach has played well with an AR, but I feel like most of those times I saw him playing well with an AR was on Gavu So uh, I'm going to keep an eye on that throughout Minnesota's other matches over the next couple of weeks to see uh, what the role swap is and or how that's working out for the team. The final match of Saturday uh, was the most surprising result. Um, I know you said that you were surprised that London 3-0'd LAT, but even, the, even with that, the most surprising result of the weekend was Seattle beating Atlanta. Seattle entering this match... Uh, they were on a five-match losing streak da uh, dating back to uh, the last set of qualifying matches. Atlanta, obviously, they just came off of a second-place finish at the major. Uh, despite struggles, um, losing to Optic in the winner's bracket finals, nearly getting swept by LAT in the loser's bracket, but uh, they were able to overcome and they were uh, able to make it to the grand finals. It doesn't matter. They lose 3-2 to Seattle. Um, Atlanta, they win uh, Bokic Hardpoint to start the uh, series. Then they win the um, control on Gavutu, uh, but they lose um, 
really it came down to search if they had won that round 11 on tuscan search and destroy they probably could have swept uh seattle but uh they lose five six uh berlin hard point they they get blown out and then uh berlin search they lose six two so what went wrong for atlanta um or i guess what went right for seattle depending on your perspective I mean, I think it's just a matchup thing at this point. Like, the Seattle organization's got Atlanta Faze's number. They didn't even need Nikki D this time to His presence. Uh, take care of business. Yeah. yeah, you know, he's a sub now, so maybe that played a part in this. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, I feel like this was a very winnable match uh, for Atlanta. Um, in particular, I think uh, – I want to make sure I get the – account right um cdl or cod complex or cdl complex on twitter uh pointed out that in the uh, game two search phase got first blood in 10 of the 11 rounds and um in round 10 he said pred or they said uh pred beat out rcds for the first blood by like point one seconds so it was almost you know phase getting the first blood in all 11 rounds of the search um, and when, you know, a team as talented as FaZe is getting first blood like that, you just, you, you expect them to close out rounds, um, with all the talent and, you know, especially the search and destroy talent, like you expect those guys to put themselves in position to trade their lives after they get that man advantage, uh, and try to not let situations like that slip away. But obviously, um, you know, I guess kudos to Seattle there for taking advantage of any mistakes FaZe was making after getting those man advantages and they were still winning, uh, some significant rounds there despite getting first blooded. So um, I thought that was interesting. Um, it was also worth pointing out, I believe it was, yeah, in map four, Mac went like 29 and 14 on uh, Berlin Hardpoint. So it was a really, you know, standout performance there from him uh, after Atlanta wins the uh, map one Hardpoint and the Gavutu control. I think the control, um, God, I can't even remember the map. There was, it, it was a close one, and I think it was like, um, it came down to lives in the last round, and somebody got a two piece on phase. They might have even, it might have been like a three v five or something in the lives, and like phase didn't even have a fourth guy, but they still clutched up or something like that. Could be misremembering, but um, it was still a very close control there too. Um, but and if you if you look at it like that, you know that's just a round eleven away uh, from. Uh, Atlanta winning this 3-0, or you look at it as, um, you know, Seattle should win that control. So I guess you can kind of flip those back and forth. But either way, Seattle goes into game four down 2-1, and they're able to respond on two Berlins. Um, the hard point was 250-161. I talked about Mac, but that's not, you know, necessarily a close hard point. And then the Berlin search was 6-2. So uh, not really close maps there to end the series, and Seattle gets a big win for them, which... You know, if, if this is Seattle earlier in the season and they're not on a five-game losing streak coming into this match, I could maybe see an argument for, like, a super close 3-2 win by them. But, like, going into this match, especially with their following their loss to Boston and just the streak they were on, I was not expecting Seattle to pull this one off at all. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but really, the rookies stepped up for Seattle in those searches. Like, Pred, he went 11-6 and six on that Tuscan S&D. Uh, which was a game high, and then Sib had a nine and four scoreline in that uh, Berlin search with Pred uh, going eight and five. So, um, combining for seventeen kills, uh, I believe that 
there are only 25 total kills in that search for Seattle. So, um, you know, those rookies, uh, they stepped up, and they when they needed to, they stepped up, uh, and that's probably the most important part. Uh, Sunday, March 13th, we had three matches to finish out the week. Uh, the first, Paris versus Minnesota. Uh, Paris didn't really have that close of a series in their first timeout of the week, but um, they they give Minnesota pretty much all they can handle. They force a game five, but unfortunately fall to the rocker. Um, so they start 0-2 this season. But um, what did you think of uh, Paris, uh, the fight that they gave? They uh, won that opening hard point and that Tuscan uh, search and destroy. So um, they were reverse uh, reverse swept, but uh, to even eke out that win uh, in game one and to, to win a surge against Minnesota, uh, what do you think of um, this series in particular? I mean, to be honest with you, they shouldn't have, the Paris shouldn't have even won map one if Standy just sits in the hill. At yeah. the end of that game, uh, that Minnesota wins that one. So uh, that was a pretty wild ending. Um, I did want to go back and watch that full map. Um, just because, especially when it's like 250 to 248 like that, it's hard to, you know, even though that was a questionable play by Standy at the end of the game where it felt like if he just sat in the hill and it wasn't like checking all the angles, um, Minnesota probably gets the time there to close it out. But when it's super close like that, like a two-point hard point game, you can look at a ton of different things throughout the game. Like there could have been like scrap points on just random hills where like people were leaving time with five seconds left to, you know, go on rotation or make, try to get to the next hill. So um, there, there could be dead points all throughout the game. So it's hard to, you know, like pinpoint that on just you know one play in particular but that gets magnified in this situation just because it was literally at the end of the game and all in in my eyes and in the eyes of multiple other people um it felt like if standy just stays in the hill here at the end uh this should have been a minnesota win but you know paris was able to capitalize on this in particular at the end and uh eke out a win yeah, the, I mean, there were at least two seconds there where he wasn't in the hill. So uh, that's definitely something that, you know, the coaches and the other players should be like, hey, um, put your butt in the hill. Like, stop moving around. Like, maybe if it's like 150 to 150, you know, you can kind of move yeah, around yeah, yeah. and try to slay out. But especially since his teammate did come down the alley where he ended up looking. So he was out of position for essentially no reason eventually. Um, just a, a really poor way to finish that map uh, that they definitely should have won. Um, but uh, just a, a close series and uh, another loss for Paris. Their seventh of the season. Um, oh. Or the eighth of the I season, I think. So. Yeah, I think so. Um, beyond that map one, though, just, you know, all things considered, when, you know, end of the day, that was a loss in map one. You can say Minnesota should have won, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. um, then they lose the following search, so they're facing an 0-2 hole. And obviously we know this Minnesota roster in particular has made some comebacks in the past, and they have the ability to, you know, regain, bounce back, not get uh, tilted or anything by an early deficit. And they showed here again uh, that they're able to, you know, rattle off three straight map wins, take the series, pull off the reverse sweep. And um, I think that was a good sign. They definitely needed to... Uh, win this match you know, especially you know all things considered where paris is in the standings and having them just lose 
Uh, their mat, Minnesota lost that match to Toronto earlier in the week. Um, this was a, a you know a needed reverse sweep for them, all, all things considered. And um, this was the series we were touching on earlier, where Jimbo, in particular, did not play well and was getting rather roasted. Yes. Um, I think there was some like uh, misconceptions about ping and stuff like that. I saw like Nameless might have tweeted something, yeah. and someone in like, League Ops like tweeted that like that wasn't the case. So I don't want to harp on that too much or anything like that. But um, you know, Jimbo's a rookie player. This is these were his first two matches. Obviously, they did not go uh, the way he likely envisioned them at all. So. Uh, Moving on from that, I just got to see how he responds uh, in Paris's upcoming maps. And uh, I'm hoping for his sake in particular that he's able to kind of, you know, shut up some of the critics and uh, prove some doubters wrong. If, if, you know, he is, in fact, uh, one of the next up and coming players, uh, you know, he, he's got a spotlight on him now just based on these uh, poor performances leading up to this. So he's got to either, you know, put up or shut up, I guess. Even though not really saying he was talking, but <laughs> wow, Bink says that Jimbo should shut up. Uh, no, but or shut. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jimbo. He actually tweeted after the series. He said, "Quote: This is unacceptable. Gigi's rocker. I will fix this issue, or else I'm out." Which is a very direct way of you know taking like blame for you know what. Uh, I mean, obviously he's not solely responsible. Um, in this case, um, you know they they had. You know, three uh, three more chances in the control of that uh, second hard point in the S and D to win the series, but they didn't. So, um, I mean, it's hard to put the blame on one player, but uh, that that is kind of how the COD community works. If you're doing poorly, they're going to notice most of the time, and they're going to let you know about it. Uh, but he seems to be taking responsibility, and uh, hopefully, he'll be able to bounce back uh, next week. Um, let's move on. We had two more matches this week. We had uh, New York versus Florida. Uh, I mean, if you've been listening slash watching this episode, you can kind of figure out how this series went. Um, a very dominant 3-0. This was a 250 to 102 Bokich hardpoint. Awakening was like slicing through guys day patty was slicing through the other guys they combined for 72 kills um and that's not including the skies 28 and 24 vivid 29 and 27 clayster um not his best performance to say the least 18 and 34 for a 0.53 kd in the opening hard point uh crim I mean, he was running a sub, which is not something that we usually see out of him. But, uh, you know, New York was trying basically everything. He finished 27 and 34 uh, on uh, Boca Chard Point. Tuscan Search wasn't very uh, good. Skies had 10 kills. Uh, Awakening had 8. 6-2 for Florida. And then Tuscan Control, Awakening, and Vivid both had 30 bombs. Hydra had 32 kills. Uh, so he did pretty well. But Neptune, 14-24. and 24, Clayster, 20-28. And, and Crim6, 20-32. Uh, so a really lopsided 3-0. Um, of course, congratulations to Florida because... The, uh, with this win, they are technically in first place in the uh, the set of a set of qualifying matches since they are not only two and zero but they are six and zero in map count, which puts them ahead of the likes of like London. Um, 
so yeah, Florida, they win, but the bigger story here is New York and how bad they lost. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, do you have any thoughts on this series in particular when it comes to just how poorly New York played? I mean, yeah, if we didn't have the Paul X report two hours ago before we started the show, I would be going on a rant probably right now about just like, you know, New York is chalk. They need to make a change. Like, yeah. it just, I, that, this would have been like the final straw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, I would have been, you know, they've made changes with Neptune and royalty already, but I would have, you know, probably been thinking about a multi-person change or, you know, something drastic would have to be uh, done in order to swap things. But obviously New York, you know, well, Crone, I guess in this case, uh, beat me to the punch on that in particular. And now we know New York is likely making a change, at least one change, potentially a two-person change. So uh, I'm just going to, you know, save... um, you know, my evaluation, I guess that doesn't matter if they're, they're making roster changes and we'll just have to see, um, what new, what New York's roster looks like in their next match and how they perform. Um, but like you said, kudos to Florida, strong six and zero map count start. Um, they started this last major in the losers bracket. So, um, you know, barring a catastrophic next three matches, they, they should be in a good position, especially, you know, even if they went two and three, they lose their next three just because of those six, that six zero map count, that should be like some advantage to them mm-hmm. um, for like potential tiebreakers or anything like that. But this is, you know, kind of like I hinted at earlier, um, this just the Florida organization, obviously they had success in Modern Warfare. Once it, uh, the season moved to online, they won, I think they won three of those home series online. Um but last year in particular, it just felt like they were a super up and down team. Like some weeks they would be frying on all cylinders and beating. I think, um, I think there was one week in particular where they went like three and zero, and they started three and zero, and like maybe it was one of the. I, I don't want to say numbers because I can't remember exactly. Uh, I, but I remember they, they came out. Yeah, they they came out like really strong in a set of qualifiers last year, and then they just fell flat the one after that leading into the major. They were like in a position to have a good seed uh, for the major, and you know they didn't capitalize on that. So um, this is just this is something we've seen in the past from the organization. Obviously, it's a different roster now. Um, so my eyes will be on this Florida team moving forward here now to see you know if this is just another case like that, or if this you know Florida is becoming the real deal and. Um, a, a threat actually heading into the uh, Minnesota major. Before we move on to uh, that last match of the week, I want to address Trimmer's question. He he says, who gets dropped yeah. from NYSL Clay? Uh, and we don't know yet. Uh, Crohn's report didn't specify who Paul X would be replacing in the roster. But um, is there a specific player in mind that you think uh, Paul X would fit nicely to replace um is there someone in the current subliners roster that you think should get benched for uh paul well this is something when we've talked about new york in the past too it's you know just because of um the legendary names they have on this team in particular with clay and Krim. um i i've touched on in other podcasts in the past that it's just like you know you're assuming it should be a safe assumption, but they are most likely being paid very well by New York, mm-hmm. which means any roster change involving them, it's either they're just going to be sitting on the bench, like collecting a paycheck, 
or you know there would be a massive buyout to try and move them to another team or you know just release them so uh financially and as a business it's it's kind of a tricky situation there but um you would assume just based on the role that Paul would be um coming in for one of those guys i feel like just based on individual performances uh clay has been very critical of himself um and you know statistically he hasn't been putting up the best numbers so if he was the odd man out i guess from a stats perspective i wouldn't be super surprised in that regard but obviously you know saying <laughs> that clay should be dropped or banished or whatever is you know, something i touched on that hasn't worked out for other teams in the pack you know throw him to the wolves and he comes back leading the pack or whatever his <laughs> saying was back in the denial days yeah um so I don't know. It's gonna. I I feel like if they are making a multi change, multi person change, it would probably you know Hydra's untouchable in my opinion. I think that's like widely regarded in the community as you know Hydra's not going anywhere unless like he demands a trade or something like that. Um. So I feel like it would probably be a swap there for Neptune slash Royalty and then Clay. But uh, I guess you know we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. Um I mean Paul is a a flex if I'm not mistaken. So Yeah. I mean it's you I don't I don't know. Like you would think it's that it's Clay or Krim like if yeah. because one of them can run an AR and that's probably what they're best at. But if like Krim he was playing uh you know flex this past week and he was running a sub or whatever like so he has the ability to do both. But it's just like it's 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 a really what happens in professional sports as well or in traditional sports or whatever. Like these players that have big contracts or they have like a no trade clause or whatever, they don't like get benched for like rookies and stuff. Like it's very uncommon that it happens. So uh, I'll be very interested to see if. Um, if New York does end up making a change and they decide, all right, like we, we really respect what's going on and we, we love Krim and clay, but one of them has to be benched here. Like that's our best move forward. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen, but it'll be interesting to see what, what they end up doing. Um, and Mike says, and why this and why that all we know is that Paris is winning champs. So we have, uh, the guy leading the charge for Paris is winning champs crew. Um, he is in the chat. Yeah, uh, just to wrap up on the New York speculation, yep. I, um, regardless of what ends up happening for them, I just hope this isn't the last we see of Clay or Krim if they are indeed like one of the players to uh, be dropped out. It would be super disappointing. Um, not maybe not disappointing, but I personally, you know, th those are two guys who have you know just been staples in the scene for so long. Um, I know. A lot of people in the community would be pretty upset if they if this was to lead to one of them retiring. Um, that's just pure speculation on my part. I'm not saying that's happening or anything, and I, you know, I certainly don't hope it does. But um, yeah, uh, we're just gonna have to see what happens. Yeah. One last thing is like we just we usually see guys uh, in in COD they go out with a whimper, not a bang. Typically uh, we see like the players that were once at the very top, like karma. Um, like eventually they just, 
don't have it or they don't want to, you know, put in the work anymore. Not saying that's what's happening with Krim or Clay, but that's what happened with Karma. He essentially hated the game and wasn't going to put in the necessary work. Uh, but we, we've seen it with other guys where at one time they were incredible and they were super talented. And Clay and Krim are literally two of the very, very best Call of Duty players of all time without question. Whether you want to put them at one or two or three or whatever, doesn't really matter. But those two are two of the best. Um, but it might, we might be, uh, we might be seeing the end of either career um, at like this kind of level. So uh, I hope that's not the case like you, but uh, that is a possibility and people have to be aware of it. Uh, the last match of the week, uh, we had the HBR Classic. Um, that is trademark pending. Uh, Optic versus LAT. Um, this was a really weird series. Like the scores make no sense because uh, we have a pretty rare 100 point club um, entry with the LA uh, Thieves. They lose 250 to 96 to uh, optic on tuscan hardpoint nobody on the thieves had more than 15 kills nobody on optic had fewer than 23 kills um, just a, a slaughter on tuscan then they come right back the thieves they 6-0 optic on desert siege search so like i and then tuscan control literally 3-0 which like is uh really unlikely just based on how favored defensive uh, defense is on control in this game, but um, optic they win three zero, and then Berlin hardpoint lat they come right back. Kenny drops thirty six on the map. Uh, Shotzi had thirty five kills, uh, and lat force a game five, which goes down to a round eleven. Of course it does, and optic are able to clutch up. This map was, uh, this last map was interesting because it seemed pretty even on the optic side. Uh, Skump and Illy each had eight kills, Dashi had nine kills, and Shotzi had 10 kills. And then on the Thieves side, you have Octane with 12, Draza at 11, Kenny at five, and Envoy had probably one of the worst maps he's had this entire season. He goes two and 10 in that round, uh, in that 11 round Tuscan search and destroy. So a really bad performance for him and his team loses the map and the series. This is just a, a really wild way to end the week. But, uh, what did you think of optic coming away with the win here? Yeah. I mean, that was, you, know, you kind of took most of my talking points there, just the wild nature of the uh, first three maps, and then we don't get a blowout in the last two. So um, if for some reason you guys didn't check out this match, it's definitely, uh, I would say this, and obviously Atlanta-Seattle were probably like the two matches you should check out from this past week. Um, but regardless, yeah, this is um, a weird series. I don't want to, I mean, obviously in the end result, it's close, but like looking at individual maps, especially the first three, those weren't close. Um, so it's hard to evaluate exactly, but um, the big taking takeaway for me here is that Optic does get that round 11 victory. And um, although they did, you know, they've been on a heater recently, I don't know the exact series count, um, but they won the last three online qualifiers. They would have won 
three matches in the winner's bracket of the major and then the grand finals. So that's four, three. So this is an eight series winning streak. If my quick math is accurate. It is. Um, it is accurate. And leading up to this, they started 0-2, but both of those losses were game five round 11 losses. Um, so here they're, they're on the other side of the uh, game five round 11 coin and uh, they get the job done. So I think um, that that's the takeaway for me is just, you know, they didn't let another series slip away that went all the way down to the wire. And um, really that, that that could be like the only thing you could criticize of the team that's looked so dominant, especially recently, um, going back all the way to those first two matches, you know, they you, you could say they didn't have the ice or however you want to word it. Um, now they're able to get that you know, coveted game five round 11 victory here. So um, the, despite some of the scores of the other games and whatnot, that, that's like a, a good sign for optic fans uh, moving forward. Yeah. So like you said, they lost those first two matches of the regular season and they have won all six of their matches, uh, all eight of their matches, excuse me, since then. And they are avenging a kickoff classic loss to the LA Thieves. Um, the, the Thieves won 3-1 in the kickoff classic. So uh, that is uh, something to note, I guess. Uh, so that ends the um, the first week of the second major qualifying matches. They really should start uh, naming them stages again. So it's a little bit easier to say. Uh, but so far, uh, 10 matches have been played. And um, right now, the standings are as such. Florida and London are both 2-0. Um, Boston, Toronto, Optic, they are all 1-0. At 1-1, one one, you have LAG, Minnesota, Seattle. And then uh, the winless crew right now is this incredible group. Atlanta Phase, Los Angeles Thieves, Paris Legion, and New York Subliners. It's, it's pretty much what we expected at the beginning of the season is what I'm saying. Um, obviously, a, a lot of matches to go. Uh, you know, most of these teams have, you know, three or four uh, before the, the next major and every team qualifiers for the major. So really, everybody has a chance to win that uh, grand prize uh, what, in like a month or something like that. So um I know we've went over an hour, so let's kind of just breeze through uh, these predictions. Uh, I mean, we've talked about all of these teams uh, quite a bit already. So uh, we have another 10 matches of qualifying matches or seeding matches, essentially, um, uh, over the next or so starting Friday, March 18th and going through Sunday, March 20th. Uh, starting with those Friday matches, we have three Paris versus London, Seattle versus Optic, and Minnesota versus Boston. Let's start at the top Paris versus London. I'm going with London. I'm expecting you to do the same. I'm going to buck the trend and, and go with London. You know, this is <laughs> a, a controversial pick for me individually just because I don't think I've actually. There might have been some match at the major where I yeah. actually picked them, but I don't remember. Um, this this could potentially be the first time I'm actually picking London. Um, but, you know, kind of like you mentioned earlier in the show, I kind of trolled a little bit with my picks last week, and now I'm only up one win on you, so I'm not letting you get a free point here, and uh, I'll go with London. Yeah, you're feeling the heat now. Uh, <laughs> Seattle versus Optic, uh, I mean, I don't think we disagree. I'm going to go with Optic. 
I'm going to go with Optic, too, but, I mean, if it, it's just going to come down to what Seattle we get yeah, here, right? Like, we get the Seattle who just beat Atlanta. This this could be a closer series than uh, some people expect, but I'm not going against Optic right now. They're clearly, as we just talked about, they're on a heater, so uh, going with the green wall. This this one we might disagree with. We have Minnesota and Boston, two middle-of-the-road teams. There's no, like, giant disparity in talent here. Who do you have here? I'm leaning Boston, but you can make your pick first if, if unless you want me to, and then I can change. Um, I'll go with Minnesota. I'm not like super confident on that one, but I think that I I do think that there's a chance that Minnesota wins. Yeah. Maybe this role switch for attach will kind of settle in, and they'll be able to improve a little bit. But uh, I think it'll be a close series. That's a, I, th- I think that's a good point. Um, I'll go with Boston here. I think that just you know speaks to uh, the potential of this series. I don't think there's clearly a favorite, and uh, it could go either way. Uh, Saturday, March nineteenth, we have four matches on uh, on the schedule: Atlanta versus London, New York versus Paris, Florida versus Optic, and Boston versus Toronto. Uh, let's start with Atlanta versus London. Atlanta, uh, they're coming off of that loss to Seattle. London, they had a 2-0 week. Uh, they might have Gizmo back, but we're not entirely sure. Uh, I'm going to assume that they have Gizmo back, and uh, I'm going to go with London in this. Whoa. All right, well, I'm going with Atlanta. Uh, I would have gone with Atlanta even if you didn't pick London, but now I kind of like that I, we have more of a difference there. So, um, yeah, I just, you know expect Atlanta to be possibly a little pissed off about that loss to Seattle and looking for them to rebound. Uh, next match is New York versus Paris. Uh, we're assuming that Paul X is uh, going to start here uh, for New York and uh, maybe another player. Uh, we don't really know considering these matches don't start. Uh, this isn't until Saturday and we're recording this on a Tuesday. So a lot can happen in the next few days. I'm actually going to go with Paris. Uh, I don't trust New York is is going to be able to bounce back even with Paul coming into the roster. And I do think that Paris will play better now that they have a few matches with Jimbo uh, under their belt. This is a tough one for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with New York. I went with New York against London last week, and I really just, you know, after their recent performance, I, I don't really want to pick them here. Um, but I feel like, you know, just in the back of my head, based off of Paul X's ability to just come in for London and, and help that team, you know, continue to perform well, um, I'm expecting him to be an immediate uh, impact for New York and um, this is a good opportunity, again, kind of like we've, I've talked about in other uh, situations, like if, if New York is going to have a new roster for this match, it's, you know, it's against Paris, it's not against Optic or Atlanta or, you know, one of the, the top teams in the league. So um, th- this is going to be an interesting one, going to depend on what roster we see, all that stuff, but um, I am just going to bank on Paul X being... Uh, added to New York's roster, and without even knowing the other guys, I'm just going to hope uh, Paul X and Hydra Fry and get New York a dub. Uh, next match is Florida versus Optic. Florida coming in with a, a 2-0 and match record, a 6-0 and map record. Uh, Optic, they barely beat LAT, but they are also uh, the first major champions. Um, I'm going to go with Optic. I really want to pick Florida, but just like... It's it's really hard. Optic is uh, the best team in the game at the moment, and uh, even with Florida's hot streak, I still think that Optic can beat them. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Optic too. Um, I think I don't know 
off the top of my head what the record is, but I think it was mentioned on broadcast that Florida's like best hard point is Bokage. And I know for a fact, just because like only one map was vetoed in the uh, grand finals uh, of major one there that uh, optic vetoed Bokage against Atlanta. And I know Atlanta is a good Bokage hardpoint team, but you would assume they would keep that trend uh, optic would against Florida if you know Bokage is good um, a good map for them statistically. Um, so that that could be something to look at here and uh, put the uh, series in optics favor potentially. But again, you know, just based off recent performances, gotta go with optic. You know, obviously Florida's two and zero, six and zero map count, but um, this is this is their only match of this week. Um, so we're going to have to not be, you know, if they get 3-0'd here or if they lose this at all, um, I probably won't be super critical of Florida just because, you know, we were talking about that up and down nature, but it's hard to, you know, say like they're going up and down just if they have a one match week following a 2-0 week and they lose it. So um, I guess if Florida's playing top of their game, they, they have a shot here, probably a better chance than uh, maybe some people would have given them prior to their most recent performance last week, but I'll still go with Optic. Florida is uh, six and two on Bokage Hardpoint, including the Kickoff Classic. They are two and five on all other Hardpoint maps. Um, <laughs> Boston versus Toronto. They finish out Saturday. Uh, the uh, the Saturday matches. Uh, I'm going to go with Toronto. I if I didn't pick Boston against uh, Minnesota, I'm not going to pick them against Toronto. This is the uh, Zinni Revenge match again, uh, and I'll go with Toronto as well. Uh, Sunday, March 20th, we have three matches to finish out the week. Seattle versus LAG, Minnesota versus LAT, and Atlanta versus Toronto. Um, I'm I'm going to go with LAG over Seattle. I'm not convinced that Seattle, even with that win over Atlanta, is like totally back and they're you know ready to beat everybody in the league. Uh, so I'm going to go with LAG in this one. Yep, I can see this one going either way. Going to depend, you know, on what form we get from either team. Um, but I will pick Seattle here, and they'll probably let me down. But whatever, I'll go with them. Minnesota versus LAT. Uh, I got to go with LAT. Um, I did pick Minnesota in that matchup against Boston, but uh, I still think that the Thieves are good. And now that we knew that they, uh, we know that they had a bad week of practice going into uh, last week's matches. Uh, I'm assuming that they're going to have some better practice going into this. And this is their uh, only match of the week, so they have yep. until Sunday to kind of vod review and uh, look at Minnesota's match against Boston on Friday. So I'm going to go with LAT. Yeah, I was going to point that out as well. This is their only match. Uh, I'm going to go with LAT as well. Um, it is worth mentioning, kind of like I was pointing out earlier, that it seems like Minnesota has shown uh, a willingness to play Gavutu, especially you know on a map like there where they can have Major Maniac Priest and Attach all running ARs. And obviously we know the memes with uh, LAT and Gavutu, so we could see another Gavutu challenge here, um, but I'll go with LAT. Uh, the last match of the week, Atlanta versus Toronto, a potential banger if uh, both of these teams come out firing. Uh, I'm, I, I, I kind of want to go with Toronto, but I'm gonna go with Atlanta. Um, I know I picked London over Atlanta, but I think London is better than Toronto. And uh, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe Atlanta just turns it up and like they're you know one of like just on on point essentially. Uh, after maybe losing to London or just thrashing London, there's always that possibility. But I'm going to go with FaZe. 
very surprised if you picked Atlanta to go 0-2. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Atlanta here. We just saw this match uh, at the major, and Atlanta won 3-0. So, although this was uh, during the skid where Toronto was not winning hard points, when they lose 3-0, they're only playing one hard point. So, uh, I'm just going to go with Atlanta. And that does it for our predictions. Again, uh, you are 35 and 23 after going five and five last week. I am 34 and 24, just a game back after going eight and two last week. So hopefully you suck again and I do well and uh, and I overtake you for this week. Um, but that about does it. We've covered a lot. We covered all of the New York stuff and, uh, there will probably be updates after this podcast is, um, is live. That's kind of the case for every single podcast, essentially. Uh, there's always news, but, um, this is something we got to deal with, I guess. Uh, but yeah, this will be going up uh, Wednesday morning, just like every other podcast um, that we do. Uh, make sure to follow or subscribe to the Ego Chow podcast feed. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. cetera. Uh, also give a good rating, uh, five stars preferably, on uh, whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at jbink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers. And the podcast Twitter is at Ego Chow podcast podcast. Uh, the next live show is scheduled for Tuesday, March 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're actually daylight savings time, so I don't know if that screws up anybody, but, um, you know, like whatever, set your clocks or whatever. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Ego Chow podcast uh, will be here next week at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, again, the podcast uh, should be in your feed on uh, Wednesday morning or uh, on YouTube or whatever. So uh, make sure to refresh it and uh, like and subscribe. That's it for me. Take it away, Bink. Yeah, I'm going to just bring this up real quick because it was literally just tweeted eight minutes ago. Paul X uh, tweeted, big lights will inspire you. Obviously, a uh, little bit of a tease there for Empire State of Mind. Um, and then he tweeted four minutes after that, easy farms, little do y'all know, I'm spawning in with Sheen and Doug tomorrow. So it uh, seems like Paul X is having a little bit of fun on uh the bluebird app there with uh this crow news but yeah uh all that aside thank you guys as always for tuning in uh, had a lot of fun talking about everything tonight hope you guys enjoyed and as always remember to send the chow <laughs>